0: G'day, sports fans. My name is Fry, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at you 24 hours behind schedule, consistently inconsistent once again with JLo, but we wouldn't rob the Sports by Fry faithful of their uh, weekly, early week uh, episode. Plenty of basketball stuff on the agenda. I thought we were going to have four. Conference semis locked 2-2 going into this episode, hence the reason we paused it for a little bit, but wasn't the case. Memphis dropped the ball and uh, didn't come to the party, but there was plenty to unpack, including a little bit of a uh, shout out to the new two-time MVP. JLo and I went through plenty of fantasy stuff right off the bat as well. Darcy Cameron is definitely on my radar after two scores in the hundreds. Don't know if I'm going to eventually bite the bullet, but I might. Touched in, uh, checked in on Geelong's progress. I'm a little bit out on the Cats at the moment, but JLo uh, tried to reconvince me that they are a prestigious football club and they deserve a bit of more respect. Uh, and then we talked about the North Melbourne Kangaroos and how their rebuild's going. In tough times for uh, the Roos at the moment, but... Could be worse. I feel like they're on the up. They have got a lot of young talent and they've had a very interesting couple of seasons to try and blood some of those youngsters. So let's not waste any time. There's basketball, there's footy, there's fantasy. What more could Sports by Fry fans want? Consistently uh, inconsistent. Of the Sports by Fry boys. I'm counting you as one of the Sports by Fry boys. You're not Sports by Fry technically, but you're as much part of this podcast as I am, JLo. Uh, Tuesday, we're sitting down. How are you traveling uh, after Monday, my friend?
1: Oh, I'm good. And I would uh, go so far as to say we've been pretty consistent. That's, yeah, that's we have my consistent. feelings anyway. Consistently yeah, you know, Monday once a week or Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But i um, feeling good. Um, bounce back after a big weekend, big. Big 24 hours, sort of did the drive to Albany, played some footy, went straight back, um, needed all of Monday to recover. So glad I had the day off and got to watch a little bit of B-Bowl and uh, reflect on my fantasy uh, performance over the weekend and my personal performance. I was, was going to say, did you count your own in the, uh, the, stats in the <laughs> I probably could have this week. Yeah, I was a bit pretty low, so... Uh, hopefully can bounce back. I, was, I had a calf complaint, Alex. So Yeah, righto. That's what they all say. I've, I've had a calf complaint. <laughs> yeah. I came out of the womb with a calf complaint, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's
0: it. Now, for all those people uh, tuned in for the GSFL update, they'll be happy to know the Sharkies are 2-1. and one. Plenty of energy two on the track one. tonight. Uh, plenty of sore bodies after a Sunday game. But there was a lot of uh, sore fantasy coaches, especially after this fucking weekend. I mean... I was okay. I think uh, I don't mm. have this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure you outscored me.
1: Uh, I did. Yeah, for, <sighs> for the, one of the very rare times ever. So, we should
0: we should get the tally going. I reckon next week we'll figure it out because there's been a couple that you've definitely pipped me
1: so far this year. Think, but um, yeah, I think I beat you by ten this week, so it's not no, much to sure write home about. Dub's a doves dub. a, a dub. Yeah, I'll take it.
0: Uh, what did you score for the round then? Let's start with footy, start with fantasy. Let's do a quick uh, check-in with Chris Blaken
1: and the large fries and
0: Coke. Uh, how Got did, my uh, way Chris... to,
1: yeah, sorry. Got my way to 2059, um, hmm? which saw me, oh, apparently I went down in rankings. I thought I went up, but um, no, uh, maybe some uh, post-Sunday sort of ranking changes. I don't know what happened there, but um, right, yeah, Cripper got me over the line. I think Ovia in the, in the last game. So um, yeah, I guess the Crip versus Walsh score almost, you know, was the difference. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, I wanted to start the year with Walsh. was very happy to trade him in, I don't know, three rounds or so ago, but I dropped the ball with my trades this week. It hit Friday Arbo. I finished school and I was like, I was always getting toke and then, for whatever reason, I can't remember. I didn't have the trade target I thought I'd have as a rookie downgrade. And I was like, oh, I can still get whoever I did, someone another rook on Luke. the bench. La That's like... Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then, yeah, there, as a result, I was like, oh, the only bloke I can afford, I can maybe get Mitch Duncan, go down Tommy Stewart. I could, oh, I could just get Cripper. Nah, I'm getting La Parker. <laughs> yeah. And Lukey Parker had a 50-something point second quarter and i was so cocky and confident that i just stopped watching the footy i started marking my year nine has tests i was like oh this bloke's getting to his triple figures no dramas and then didn't exactly come to fruition so i was about yeah like you said 10 points behind you on twenty forty-five. but i'm uh, as i am every week excited about the prospects of this week's trades i'm potentially Ooh. uh I can empty the chamber and I can get out Connor McDonald from the Hawks and Horn Francis and I can grab Cooper Hamilton the GWS bloke who only scored 40 on the weekend but I thought it looked alright uh, and I can get a Jordan Dawson I can get uh, Mitch Duncan I can get uh, Tommy Stewart there's a couple around that mark that I can get but I think if I try and chase Paddy Cripps I'm going to fuck myself by wise and with my team structure now that uh Got a couple of other round twelves in the midfield, etc. So, yeah, complicated times ahead at the large frozen coke. But currently residing in my side is an Albany player. Do you reckon you can guess who's in my
1: fantasy team? Um, Darcy Cameron. The Dartmouth. Yeah. Definitely been looking at him. Definitely mm. been looking at him early in the week. That's for sure. So, I think Roy, one of the Traders boys...
0: Brought him into his side last week. And in the fantasy community, he's starting to get a bit of buzz, but the bloke has only had 30 hit outs in two weeks. He's been playing as the lead ruck since Brody Grundy went down, but he's been getting around the ground. He's had close to five marks and five tackles each week, something of the sort anyway. And he's gone 112 and 107 in his last two games. Uh, in the five games that he's played since Brody Grundy Oh, sorry, since the start of last season, with Brody Grundy out of the lineup, he's averaging ninety-one and a half. So, I probably don't expect him to hit that every week, but he's under five fifty. I reckon he could churn out a couple of seventies and eighties. Got the last buy as well. Might pick up ruck status. Uh, what do you What are you thinking about Dast? Do you reckon it's worth a dice roll?
1: I, I like I said, I've been having a good long look at him, um, Break even in, in the team. Yeah, yeah, particularly in his price range. Um, he's one of those blokes you could bring in and, you know, hopefully he might, he's looking like he's going to gain 100K from even from here on out. And then that's a really nice launch pad up to those eight, 900K blokes. So we're, we're up to a premium. Um, yep. So definitely worth the the dice roll. I can see why people do. it. I don't think I've got the capacity to do it this week. Money wise, but he, you're right, he'd be great for my buy structure. And, um, I mean, Grundy's not coming back anytime soon. Mason Cox isn't going to give him any troubles. Is it Reef McKinnon? No, Re- nah, who's um, the- Aiden
0: Begg is the name of the. Oh, Begg. Sorry, I don't know rookie. why.
1: Yeah. Begg, I got that confused with Reef. I don't know why. Hey, Reef McKinnis
0: um, is a Collingwood Gash Gow. So, you know, same
1: team. Same, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but I, I, I I'm all for it, particularly this time of year. It's sort of starting to get a bit skinny on the cash cows, uh, which is a term I do not like using, but since we're on the- Cash sporty, cows? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't like, you know, playing into other, I, I want us to come up with our yeah, own- I get you. Our I own names. But yeah, I- I'm all for a dice roll. Uh, if you've ever listened to this podcast over the years, you know, I'm a- I love to do it. And uh, I say, if you're thinking about it, stop thinking, just do, just do, do it. Uh,
0: Look, you know me, I'll probably change my (laughs) trades four times before teams even come out. But yeah, I do love the value that Das potentially offers. A couple of those cats, Mitchie Duncan and Tom Stewart, I reckon are also great trade targets this week. Um, Oh, Yeah if you can get any of the jet midfielders I mean Tuke only had his what 95 in the weekend but you pounced on him it was last week eh?
1: yeah yeah ninety two that feels like okay. about as low as it will go that seems like his floor so I'm okay with it
0: yeah you can't be unhappy slotting him in uh so rolling in it's getting to a bit of the point you know the buy rounds are still a couple of weeks off where mm. over half a dozen weeks into the season so i do expect now coaches to really start to drop off and some people to lose interest, but it's also like the pointy end of the season from here until the buyer's end is a very potentially make or break scenario. So while I'm uh, going through my squad, I want you to see how many rookies you've got left on the deck. Cause I've got, if I bring in Darce Cameron, he obviously will clog up a forward spot. But that means I've only got one in the back, one in the midfield, and then one up forward. And those are Greg Clark, Nick Martin, and Nick Dacos. I do have a couple of those types, like your Darcy Cameron. I've got Will Day in my back line. That's obviously, I've held George Hewitt as well, so I'm hoping he'll be back. So there's oh, a couple gotta of, he's got to be, right? Word on the street, uh, shout out Nathan Cradelli, who I was talking to after the footy game, said he spoke to a man who used to play for the North Albany Football Club who now plays for the mighty Carlton Blues, who says, don't stress too much, Huey's coming back. But, you know, take it, (laughs) friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, take it with a grain of salt. So I'd love to see the bloke back on the deck, but yeah, I'll only have three rooks if I hold my current trades. And even if I don't, I mean, I think I'm just going to go Horn Francis and probably McDonald, maybe Jack Mead out. And I'm just going to try and get the best upgrade I can for the Hornedmouth.
1: And then I'll roll the dice for the rest. Yeah, I'm in a pretty similar position. I've got those three that you named and O'Driscoll is still my last um, rookie in the back line. He's my uh, B6. B6. He's going all right, Um, eh? He's going all right. Um, He's still got plenty of growth left in him. Should get his break even again this week. And, you know, he started so explosively. There's every chance he could just have another one of those games, particularly... um, Is it at home for the Frio this week? Uh, Might be on the road. I think we go away. Yeah, we go away to play Gold Coast. Yeah. Okay. Well, you look, there's every chance he gets plenty of space out on that wing playing against Brandon Ellis, who's pretty, uh, you know, pretty loose on his man. Definitely start watching the game. Yeah, he is forward running. So um, hoping he can just, O'Driscoll, that is, have a sort of a 75 80 and make me look good and feel good Um, and obviously yeah pretty happy with those other three on deck Um, and if it's not Greg Clark at this point I've got probably bringing Ben Hobbs in um, sort of a double downgrade kind of situation just getting two red dots off the um, off the Krasplorkan side and um, trying to bring in two greenies so uh, we'll see how we go but um, yeah I'm feeling all right. and also at the moment, O'Driscoll kind of looks all right for that round 14 by. Um, hopefully yeah, don't happen by that point. But I am pretty light on in the fourteens and I kind of suspect a lot of people will be, unless that you know, those lucky crew who've got the any of those three Melbourne boys. Um mm. I don't have any of them and I can't see any way that I'm gonna get uh any of them. Actually, they're all they're all pretty Xy right now. So
0: I assume I, might have to hold him. I assume you're talking about Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver, and Ed Langdon?
1: Yeah, of course. Ed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, Jack Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: fucking. I'm pre- I think it's Jake Bowie, but he may as well be fucking Jack Bowie for all I care. Oh, is it
1: Jack? Uh, Jake. Shit, sorry, Jake. You should sorry, know, Houston. mate. Fellow Jake. Nah, you know, there's only one Jake in the club. Yeah, true, that. Oh, actually, I actually, th- <laughs> I think around
0: 13, uh, Jake, Jake R. Smith think round 13 is probably the one that I'm the most light on. But after grabbing Parker, I've now got a couple of those mid-forwards like Dunkley, Parker, Trelaw. Um, I swear there's one I'm forgetting too. But yeah, I don't know. I think I've put a lot of time and effort. Well, A lot is an exaggeration, but I've put some time and effort into looking at how I can attack these buyers. And like I was saying to you, I've kind of gone away from the... Well, how many have I got on each round? I'm just like, right, if I look at my back line, all right, those are my three premiums. One of them's round 12, two are round 14. All right, well, I need to get another round 13-er so that, you know, you plug rookies in here and there, but I just want to make sure that my spread of the big dogs is kind of even. So have you looked into buys a shitload leading up to um, it? I mean, we're what? After these trades, we'll have round, this is round nine we're going into, eh? a.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So it is, yep. you know, you go round nine trades next week, then you got 10, 11, and we're on around 12. So there's only six trades left after this weekend of footy, but I th- I'm in a comfortable position. How are you
1: feeling? Um, I'm heavy on, t- I f- feel like I'm heavy on 12s. So let me just put on my buy detector.
0: Yeah, Um, that's part of the reason I don't want to jump on Cripper right now. I want the bastard and I need him. But like you were saying with those Melbourne boys, I'm looking at my midfield. I got Brayshaw, Neil, Steele, McRae, Walsh. I'm not getting rid of any of them. Greg Clark can happily sit at M8. And I got that Carroll bloke from Carlton and Robbie McComb on my bench too. So I'm like, they could, like, the three of them can kind of clog up a couple of spots. So trying to figure out how I'm going to fill out that midfield, whether I'm going to try and get Cripper off his bye or just whenever I get the chance, grab one of those, four, whoever it is, if it's Took, if it's Clayton and just Rory Laird, I looked at a bit as well this week
1: with the yeah. trades. I am sort of pretty heavy on 12 and 13s as I sort of look through it now. I'll probably start to think about it next week. Mm. Um, that's kind of the lesson I've learned over the last two or three years is, I think three years ago, I really thought about it and then it just got thrown to shit as... You know, people get rested during the buys as well, and you Pretty know if still you've happens, got a right? niggling, Yeah, if you've got a niggling injury, you, sometimes you just get sat, um, knowing that you're gonna have could have two weeks off. So I'll start thinking about it next week. But the last two years, I've kind of just almost dealt with it on the the week of, and it's yeah, it's worked it's out fine um, with the three trades as well. We all, I'm assuming, we're getting those again this year. Um, that gives you a lot of wiggle room, so I'll I'm probably just going to shoot from the hip this week and start to think about it with those final six trades. Um, and I, you know, you, you're never in that bad of a position, even if you have got lots of twelves and thirteens. Six trades plus three on the day or on the week is not that it's not that hard to all of nah. a sudden have a ton of fourteens. So that's how I'm going to approach it, um, and just still focus on getting the the best quality side that I can. Um, but you're right. This is kind of that, that part of the year where you can really jump up in the rankings.
0: It's always, it's something that I keep an eye on, but I always like, will look at it and look at my buy structure. And like, I, like I've kind of said, I'm like, ah, oh, I think you're just over like looking at this frosty. You just need to take a step back and like, yeah, make sure you don't have 20 round 13 players. Like you said, it always tends to sort itself out. I'm sure if I look, if I hadn't have looked at all and I look next week after the weekend of footy, I'm like, right. I got six weeks before the buys will probably patch most holes and then get three trades each week. So yeah, I agree. I don't think it's ever as dire as people make it out to be. Uh, tell you what though. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the prospects of the Geelong football club. I think that they might be in a dire position and uh, dare I say it. I know that West Coast's had a fucking year from hell. But I wouldn't be surprised if Geelong fell off the cliff like this in the next couple of weeks. Before we do a bit of basketball talk, because there's plenty of uh, NBA to recap, I want to just touch on a couple of things that maybe we haven't yarned about too much, including the Geelong Cats. They've been a contender for years. We haven't given them a lot of airtime so far this year. I think that they're going to be very careful about how they tread for the next year, two, maybe let's say 18 months or so, because they've got a lot of ageing stars. You've got your Selwood, you've got your Dangerfield. Even blokes like Guthrie and Mitch Duncan aren't young anymore. They've lost a couple of blokes in years past. I think of like Harry Taylor. Sean Higgins is another one still in the chamber. And they've started to blood some young blokes, that Ollie Dempsey kid, Cooper Stevens and Mitch Nevitt, both first round draft picks played last week. But just looking at Geelong's year so far, they pounded the Dons. They lost to Sydney. They then just got over the line against Collingwood, just got over the line against Brisbane, lost to Hawthorne, smashed North Melbourne, lost to Frio, and then smashed GWS last weekend by 50. So there's no results there that really jump out to me. I mean, the win against Brisbane is a good one, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they finish in that 7-8-6 mark or potentially even miss the finals if the dogs and the power and even the pies keep surging. What do you reckon of the Cats? Have they, have they kind of not got enough runs into their young kids yet? Because I feel like they could very quickly fall off if those blokes aren't ready to step up when the likes of those
1: older dudes I've mentioned eventually depart. I think you'd be a pretty brave person to write Geelong – off and out of the finals because I think they've only missed something stupid like once since 2009. Yeah, okay. You know, they're on a huge run. They do have ageing stars, but they've got enough blokes who are right in their prime. Like Jesse Cameron's in his prime. Um, pretty sure Guthrie, and that's of the cam variety. He's still young enough. Um, they've got those guys who are still floating around. And that the one big thing is you can't overestimate the effect of having games in Geelong. They don't really lose down there. Like it was, it was, I think, what was it? Frio's first win in Geelong and they only just got over the line and I'm pretty sure there was no danger. Yeah, It was their first win in years. You know what I mean? So they get their six or seven games down there. It's just a it's just a tough proposition to travel down there, and they've still they take care of business against the the lower quality sides. Like I know, if, I'm pretty sure West Coast has to go in there in a few weeks, and I'm just dreading it. I'm thinking it could be a hundred hundred and fifty pointer. So Didn't I, they put I hear the what Smackdown
0: last year on the coasters, <laughs> maybe in Geelong.
1: Pretty sure it's every year, mate. Yeah. It's just so hard to win there, and. You know, if you're a side that's used to a big oval, like if you're a uh, Melbourne side who's used to the G, I, I could see the the Cats beating Melbourne down there just because they're so used to the space. Ed Langdon and um, Jaden – is it Jaden Hunt? Jaden yep. Hunt? Yeah, there's so many friggin' players in the uh, <laughs> AFL.
0: Ed Langdon um, and Jaden Hunt do look like twins as well, like the yeah, longish hair, know, the black headband
1: yeah and so I, I just feel like those blokes who are used to all this space will go down there and just go what the what the hell our game plan that does not work at all and that's just what the cattery does i was just down there the other um week and it's it's literally just the tiniest Look, little must, ground. Must yeah it was cool it's cool to be down there but it's just it's the tiniest ground they've got those dead flat like dead straight boundaries yeah so any team going down there is, is asking for it. So I hear what you're saying. I wouldn't write them off. They're sitting fifth right now, you know? Yeah, so- I know.
0: This is me being a bit harsh. They're five and three, but, you know, they got St. Kilda, Port Adelaide, Adelaide, uh, and then the dogs to roll into their bye, and then they get you boys fresh off it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they, like, I expect them to win that Adelaide game they'll probably go two and two in that stretch. There's a very possible chance they go three and one, but I wouldn't be shocked if those other three teams and maybe even the Crows, pip them. I don't know why I'm so out on them. I know that they've got, like you said, they have, they've only missed the finals once since 2006. I went back and had a Gander yeah. while you were talking about it. So, and that was before their like Stevie Johnson, Jimmy Bartell, three and five year flag stint. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's fucking 15 to 17 years. They missed it once, missed the finals. And most of the other time, they tend to make the fucking prelim. Like They're not there making up the numbers. But I don't know. Maybe it's not so much to look into the fact that they haven't got enough games into the young kids. Because you're right. Like I want to say Guthrie's our age, maybe early 30s. Tommy Stewart's probably in that same window. So they do still have some guns around. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, missing the finals would be a stretch, especially considering their history. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a bit of a dip from the Cats, might not be, well, you're out of the picture and you're rebuilding. They've, can like the Swans and West Coast is pretty good at as well, is bouncing back the click of the fingers. So maybe I'm being a bit dour and uh, out on Geelong, but I don't know. It's just something as we were, as I was brainstorming the dock sheet for today, I was like, yeah, you know what? There's a team that I'm just not fully convinced can contend can for the flag. And I don't know if they're going to again in the next couple of years, they might be ready to just go the slide.
1: Yeah. The last thing I'll say about Geelong is that they do a really good job of bringing older, more mature players in who are playing well in the BFL or wherever else. So, you know, you think True. about the um, Tommy Atkins, uh, Atkins, thank you, Podsy Adley. They just find those blokes and they're not afraid to play the more mature blokes who are used to that high level. Of footy the the men yeah. and they slowly filter in one or two youngsters so they've already blooded a few guys this year and I, I dare say we'll see some old cat that we've never seen before <laughs> in the mid-season get picked up in mid-season and all of a sudden you're like oh he's a regular in their bloody side like I, I think they're just a great system football club that haven't had a I mean dangerous bloody good but they haven't really had a star midfielder for since, like, the since days, prime ablett Bartel days. And they still yeah. just dominate. They still dominate, so... Yeah.
0: I'll be interested to see how their uh, that next month unfolds. Uh, hmm. <laughs> the North Melbourne Kangaroos, obviously at the uh, polar opposite end, they haven't really strung together a regular finals appearance. Uh, got one win on the year, but it's against a team that don't know uh, how they're going to go, but it seems like they're odds on favourites to win the spoon at the moment, so...
1: What do you reckon no about players?
0: Yeah, exactly. What do you reckon about North? Cause I mean, they're, they're one and seven. They won the spoon last year. They've got, they got Horn Francis who I'm pretty sure today said that he's putting extension talks on hold, which, you know, it's not exactly the end of the fucking world. He's signed for two years and he probably will resign. I think, don't know if it's like the NBA where they can offer him more money, but I'm sure North would be bending over backwards to keep him in uniform. And then, there's still some young talent developing and emerging there. Tarrant Thomas against the Dockers, they obviously got belted, but he probably played his best game of the year. They are missing, arguably, their best player in Ben Cunnington. They do have a couple of old boys that they can still cut, and they're getting some young games, uh, getting games into the young boys, like Tristan Cherry was chopping the ruck before he went down. There's a couple of other like blokes on the up. Dye Simpkin too. Larky. Larky, yeah. Right? Larky is, I think, could be like a you know, Coleman contender for the next half a dozen oh, yeah. or so years. Like He looks like a yep. very good uh, key forward. You can build an attack around, but are the, are the Roos going about it the right way? Would you, if you were running North Melbourne, shake things up a bit? Do you think they need to go further into the draft? Do you think they now need to find more pieces like the Hugh Greenwood they found in the off season? Do you think that their rebuilds on the right track? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: I think they should have got rid of Goldie a long time ago, if yeah, not this off season. Um,
0: they probably could have found something really- pretty handy for him too.
1: Yeah, I think they um, they were getting offered a, a fair bit a few like over the last few years and just never took it and gave him a whole lot of money. I, I could be wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that during the week or over the weekend. Um, I know that look-
0: Goldie did want to spend. Um, he wanted to kind of be a one club player. That was on his mind. Right. I think okay. a couple of years ago, the Geelong move was really on the cards was up and about. But I think he's got his heart set on being a one-club player. But, you know, loyalty only gets you so far, right?
1: Yeah. Look, I I reckon, you know, Jed Anderson's been missing. He's a great player when he's playing well. True. Uh, you, I think they expected a little bit more from Powell and... Um, Phillips. Is it Phillips? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you know what, that still might happen. I think they've just got some weird old pieces. Like you look at your um, walkers, Josh Walker, who seems like he's a great servant of the club, but probably just never, never put it together. You know, I think they expected more from Zerha. Stevenson's still young. I I just can't think of any other ways that they could go about it. it feels like they're playing some players in weird positions too. Like Zeeble's year has been really weird. After seemingly sort of resurrecting his career down back now, they're throwing him all over the ground. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So look, there's no other options for him really. What do you want him to do? Sign a big time player. That's not really happening. They sort of snuck Greenwood and kind of stole Stevenson or it feels like they stole him. They've got some good players who are quite like, like, um, LDU is pretty young. Simpkin is still youngish, is he, not? is he not?
0: Yeah, I would say he's he's probably not even in our favourite age bracket yet. I reckon he's like 23 or 24, to be honest. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah,
1: actually, here you go. I've got him right here. He is 24. So, Lukey McDonald is a, he's looking like he's sort of finally getting his act together down back. But it feels like the magnets have just been thrown all over the place so often, um, and that's probably stunted a bit of the growth, but they just got to stick with it, stick with it for another year or two. They will get another high draft pick um, and just hang in there. Hopefully some crew will want to come over to Arden street and don the old shin white and blue. Mm. They just need it. They just need cooler jerseys. Let's be honest. That's the well, problem. They go all right. They go. Okay.
0: I mean, they are a bit yeah. bland, but I used to love the uh, I used to love the blue ones that had the um, the white like outline of the kangaroo across the like stomach area.
1: Bring it it's back. Big, it's like Nab Cup days. Bring it back, man. That's their problem. They've got a bit of an image issue, I think, as much as they've got every other issue in footy. But I think just hang fat go to the that's what i'd be doing hang fat go to the draft again try and get a few quality contributors that are sort of in or up at our favorite age bracket of 25 or above who've kind of been around the traps like hugh greenwood's one of those funny ones you sort of feel like he's a good player but he came from the the college basketball background at new mexico and so he's kind of he's not like a probably a natural born leader um but just stick with it. Try and... Sherry's going to looks like he's going to be great. Larkey looks like he'll be great. Hopefully, they can find a few good, like, rebounding backmen, and mm. I think they'll be all right. Losing Hall hurt.
0: Yeah, that's true. He has been pretty banged up. I think, as well, like, Hugh Green was great to add him to their club, and by all means, they should have done that. But it mm. probably has robbed, like, your Phillips and your Powell and a few of those boys of a couple more midfield snaps to help them develop, so... Yeah. You know, it wasn't, like I said, not a bad thing to get him. You do it 10 times out of 10 if you're in North's position. But, uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see how uh, the next couple of years unfold for their rebuild. If only they could draft as good as the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh. I mean, maybe that's actually me giving the Grizzlies a little bit too much credit in the draft. But their recruiting for players has been pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's how they've uh, built around jar. I think that they complement each other really well. Uh, Clearly transitioning into talking about some basketball now, but the Memphis Grizzlies find themselves down three to one. I think this was the game, game four without jar. They were right there at the death and they just couldn't get over the hump. They needed to steal that one. If they were going to make it a series, we probably won't spend too long on every series, but I reckon we'll touch a little bit on the Grizz and the dubs is there? any chance Memphis can extend this series? Or do you reckon five or six? Maybe they managed to rally against Golden State next game, but they're pretty much cooked.
1: Ends of jar plays. Yeah, it really is like that, eh? Um, yeah. Look, and it, it seems like Golden State's decided to just go small against them, which mm. is a tactic and probably has guys like Jaron Jackson Junior um sort of reeling a bit. He had five blocks today, with, you know, it's nothing to be sneezed at. And he's playing really well. But if you feel like the speed of pool, the speed of curry, you know, obviously we know what Clay can do. I just feel like yeah, I would be surprised if it goes much longer. But if Jar can get back, then that might just be the spark they need. They've just got that that sort of, um, I'll just use the word pluckiness mm. that young teams can, they feel like they're, they're bigger than the world. So I, I would love to see how this goes. If Jar can play next game, but oh, I hope he can. eh? Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be really sad to, for them to go out with him injured, especially since it's, you know, one of those injuries, it's like, oh, if we went one more game, he would have been back. So I'm hoping Draymond does something silly, um, but they're going back to the Bay, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, no. They're going back to Memphis.
0: Oh, no. You're up. Right. Sorry. Yeah, because Memphis is the higher seed. You keep forgetting you that. You forget that.
1: Yeah. Well, that might just be enough to sort of get them over the line and then all get of a jar sudden, back. Jar might play. I was going to say, they play. get
0: through game five, maybe even with a, a still banged up Jar or he doesn't play, and then they get Jar back for game six. You never know. I think. I was probably a bit dismissive of me to, I think originally last week, I said that Golden State had win in five, maybe sweep. Probably wasn't me giving Memphis enough credit and not giving enough credit to Jar either. Like he had, what, 47 in game two? Like, like absurd that. numbers. He Yeah, he's a, he's a star. So obviously, you don't have him in uniform. It's going to make things pretty fucking tricky. Just ask... uh. Yeah, The Philadelphia 76ers, who were without their own staff the first two games, fell in an 0-2 hole and then regrouped against Miami. It's now two apiece. Uh, What are your your thoughts on Sixers' heat heading into game five?
1: A bit hard to tell. Um, And we all know how I I feel about about Joel. But um, I kind of expect Miami to win this next one on their home turf. they've just been a bit weird the last two games. Philly's, I don't know if it's been Philly's defense or if it's Miami just not, you know, getting good looks or maybe not hitting the looks. I actually haven't watched the series um, Mm. much at all, so I can't comment on the sort of the X's and O's of it, but I would expect Miami to get this next one done. Um, But they've just got that funny rotation, lots of guards, um, which maybe that works out in Philly's favour. And obviously no one can guard Joel and sort of him being on the floor just draws so much attention. And, you know, Maxi's still getting it done. James Harden's still a quality player, still an all-star calibre player. So I expect Miami to take this one, but this one might go all the way. Um, Now Joel's back, I think.
0: We obviously recorded last week's podcast and we didn't really know how old mate was traveling, but uh, Maxie's actually leading the team in points per game scoring in this series. So he, Harden and Embiid are all averaging over 20. James had his very typical James Harden standout performance in game four. So, you know, we crapped on the poor bloke for the last month or two, probably longer, let's be honest. But, you know, he is an MVP and like a multiple... I don't know if that's a fact, it sounds right, though. Multiple scoring time scoring champ in the NBA. Like, he's a a bucket. He's a good player. He's a great player when he wants to be, but it just so happens that under the brightest lights, he tends to fizzle and stink it up, which is kind of why I want to side with Miami. Subconsciously, I think they were getting solid looks. I managed to chew through a couple of the highlights and rewatch some of game three and four. And, like, Butler had his 40-odd, and they still only put up like 105, 104 points or something, which is a bit alarming from Miami's perspective. Yeah. I mean, you can't really have your Tyler Heroes and your Duncan Robertsons. Cole Lowry's obviously missing, but you can't have those boys all struggling while Jimmy's going off like that. You really need like a Lowry couple
1: played. of... In game four? Yeah, he played 30 minutes. Oh. No, oh, maybe I'm thinking of Game Three. Anyway, six I do points, wonder. Three rebounds, seven assists.
0: Oh, that's that's a performance. He was there.
1: Four four turnovers. Yeah, could be worse. Yeah, their rotation is just a bit all over the place at the moment. Miami, like Duncan Robinson's is not playing, so it's it, they're really sort of running with seven guys. They played mm. Gabe Vincent for ten minutes, but it was pretty much everyone else twenty-five or above. So I don't yeah, know right. it's just it's going to be a really weird in like quirky series that one it's all over the place and it's very hard to read
0: You're right Miami does I mean I do wonder who's going to be the X factor who's going to stand up in the next 3 games I want to want to play this game for all the series that are actually at 2-2 because there's a trio of them I thought we were going to have all four at 2-2 the way that the Memphis Golden State was game was looking but I want to highlight the X factor for the next three games in each series. Uh, And I honestly think because the momentum is with Philly at the moment. And if Embiid's fit, I can't really see them losing at the moment. He's a very deserving runner up in the MVP that we will discuss later. But James Harden is my X factor for the rest of this series. Might be viewed as like a too, too big a name to consider an X factor. But how this bloke performs will... I reckon, dictate the series. If he's fucked and turning the ball over and missing shots and playing like James Harden tends to do from time to time in the playoffs, Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid might still push them over the line. But I think that, I've said it all playoffs, this is like an almost legacy-defining stint that we're watching Jimmy Harden go on. Because if he rips it and chops and they make the finals, then... You know a lot of the naysayers including probably us will be like yep that nope, fair credit jimbo but i don't yeah. know if it's gonna happen and the literally it's two two the ball's in your court you're going to Miami we talked about it before the season started the series started it's like there's a lot of uh temptation in Miami like what which James Harden are we gonna get and I reckon he's had one and a half to two like James Harden performances so far this series but out of the Philly and Miami lineups who are you
1: looking at as the X factor that could potentially swing these next three games um, I'll be uh, interesting and go on the other side of the ledger I reckon it's and it's sort of a cop out I reckon it's that one of the two guards off the Miami bench um, they were Tyler it's obviously Tyler Hero on Vic Oladipo the Tyler hero minus nine today plus minus and Oladipo minus twelve they're running pretty much, like I said, seven guys um, f- for the series, which is just pretty astronomical. Jimmy's doing his thing. We kind of know what we're going to get from Bam. Lowry's a bit up and down, but he's the sort of guy, it doesn't matter if he scores or not. He's there to, you know, take charges, lead the team, get the ball into Jimmy's hands in a good spot. But Tyler Hero, 11 points today. He had 10 rebounds, but... He shot thirty three percent, one of five from downtown, and Oladipo was oh exactly the same thirty (laughs) three, one of five from downtown. So that bench is super important, and obviously running so skinny off the bench, no size coming off. It's important that they play hard nosed defense, make the shots that are there for them, and sort of make Philly's bench, which isn't great either. no, nah, true. Um, really work. So I think out of the two, I would say Tyler Hero needs to sort of be at his six man of the year, twenty points per game best, and then Miami will will easily win the series. Um, but if they get nothing from those boys, they had uh, they had. Sorry, I'm looking at Philly. Eleven. Points for Tyler today, 15 for Vicola Depot. So it's not like they did nothing. They had steals, but they just need to shoot better and put the pressure on, um, on that Philly backcourt, which does have a James Harden and Tyrese Maxey playing defense. So T Steibel plays a little bit. Danny Green's a pretty solid defender, but I feel like I feel like those two can really capitalize in those non- Butler, Lowry kind of minutes. Um, and especially if Embiid's not playing huge minutes right now, there's a real opportunity to sort of like get inside and get downhill and obviously hit their three. So they offer that inside-outside punch off the bench. So that's my uh, X factor. It's there, those two off the bench, but particularly Tyler Hero. When you started to highlight the two of them, I was thinking,
0: oh, yeah, like, Tyler Hero was, obviously, there was a lot of factors that contributed to their run towards the finals in the bubble, but Tyler Hero caught lightning in a bottle in those bubble playoffs and was like, oh, shit. It was like, is this bloke about to be an all-star contender and stuff like that? So I do think, yeah, if he has his 30-point outing in one of these games, that could potentially swing a game. Tyrese Maxey, uh, yeah, like you said, not a great defender, potentially with him and Harden being attacked by those dudes. Currently averaging more points in the conference semifinals than Jason Tatum, which stunned me. I know he had a 4 of 19 yeah. shooting game. Oh, I think it was game three from memory. Yeah, because Boston won today. The Bucs won game three. Yeah, it's gone back and forth in that series. I'm praying this is the one that goes to seven. Uh, it's lived up to the hype so far. I mean, there hasn't been too many blowouts or too many, team, uh, too many big runs from either team it's been a very uh combative chess match i would say between boston Mm. and the bucks this might go down as the best series we have for the entire playoffs but i do think i'm kind of siding with boston at the moment and part of that is because of chris middleton's absence if it was both teams fully fit i'd probably pick the bucks in six or seven And I knew that Chris Middleton going into this was going to be out. And I think I did pick the Bucs in six or seven, but I don't know, man, that, that Boston defense is nothing to fuck around with. And they're definitely giving the Bucs all that they can manage at the moment. So I I honestly think that the X factor in that series is Jason Tatum because the bloke's shooting under 40% in four games so far against the Bucs and he is going up against Dudes like Drew Holiday. I'm trying to think of the other good defenders on that team. Oh, yeah. Giannis. Like, he's probably not playing yeah. a ton on Jason Tatum. But those two dudes deserve to be all mm-hmm. NBA caliber, all defense first team caliber dudes if they don't actually make the teams. So, I wouldn't be shocked to see them keep giving Jason Tatum the business. But if that bloke manages to lift and he starts to score well and hit a couple of shots, then could be curtains. Mm-hmm. For the Bucks, he, Tatum, I'm just looking at it now, had 30 today. But then he had 10 the game before that. It was 50% from the field for 29 in game two. And then shot poorly, but still managed to top 20 points in game one. So the box scores only give you so much, right? But if you're telling me that the dude who took Kevin Durant to the cleaners and was great on both ends of the court and was elevating himself as a top 10 slash top five talent in this league, is shooting less than 40%. I'm like, nah, I need more from you, dude.
1: Yeah, well, people sort of forget about Jason Tatum. I'll give you my uh, X Factor in a second, but Jason Tatum is that bloke who is a kind of a 40% shooter. And there's so many games you'll, if not for the little run at the end, like he, he caught fire at the end and Boston caught fire at the end of the year. And people kind of, have forgotten that the bloke was regularly shooting 35, 40% from the field, still putting up 20, 25, but you, you kind of ask yourself, is that a valuable 25? And I'm not so sure if it is. Um, I think I kind of want to go, I'm going to stay on Boston for the X factor here as well. And I think it's,
0: Jalen while you're doing, oh, yeah, okay. I was gonna say, while you're doing your digging, I was just having a look at Tatum's shooting numbers. He's got worse from three for the last three years, but he's been like 45%. But like you said, some of them might just be a quick flurry of three or four buckets in a row to get him to 23 or 24. Why do you think uh, JB is the X factor?
1: Well, we kind of expect 30 from Tatum. Um, even if he shoots poorly, he still yeah. gets he still gets the numbers, and so that you know, whether for good or for bad, I think they kind of Boston live and die by Jason Tatum. But if Jalen Brown can have thirty or twenty five to go alongside his thirty, you can't. There's no way. I love Al Horford, but there's no way he scores thirty again nah. on seventy eight percent, seventy nine percent shooting. Hit five of seven threes today. Um, dunked on Giannis, got him back. Um, So I think Jalen Brown is the one who's going to have to... If they're going to win this series, you're going to have to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both with 25, 30 in a game to go along with the other guys' averages. Um, Because, again, Boston is only running, realistically, Derek White off the bench. He played 34 minutes today got 13 minutes from Pritchard and Tice or Teese, who both shot zero percent from the field and the boys. scored zero points so Boston will get it done defensively but the Bucks are one of the best scoring teams in the league over the last three years and they're that sort of side that constantly puts that offensive pressure on you so Boston's defense is going to be stretched regardless Giannis just does that to you um, Brooke Lopez does that to you with his range uh, they've just got a lot of they've got a lot of offensive firepower so Boston is going to need to match that and they did that today obviously had a great fourth quarter 43 points I don't see that happening again but you know they had 18 in the first and that put him in a hole and luckily they dug themselves out of it just barely but it's Jalen Brown he needs to have 25 points. A game from here on out if there any chance to win this I, i'm still taking the bucks and i think they might get it done in six i know missing chris middleton is a factor but Giannis is the best player in the world you know yep. I think, one of the uh... two um, best player in the playoffs still in the playoffs so um he is putting pressure on you no matter what he's putting obviously that pressure on you from now three levels, he's got his mid range going, but he puts so much pressure on defense on a defense because he draws so many fouls. He's always either fouling him or you're getting dunked on. And so, yeah, Jalen Brown needs to score. Boston needs to score. And they did today. They probably did in game two that they won, but I feel like it's just not quite going to be enough. Um, Jalen Brown needs to do it. Oh, I mean, even as you're saying that, I'm like,
0: mm, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I should just side back with the Bucks. You're right; they got Giannis. What, are, what am I talking about? I mean, I'm just praying that this series, because I do think that these are two of the three, four best teams left in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I really do hope that this goes seven. We deserve
1: seven. So the basketball gods but- better. Look out for us. Just looking at it, game one, 89 points from Boston. You can't win a playoff game against the Bucks. So They only had 101, but they still got still. beaten by 12 points. Jalen Brown had 12 points. Game two, they got up to 109. And then game three, 101. It was a mm-hmm. close game, but it's just not enough. It's not enough against this Bucks side. And obviously they got the, the scoring today, but it needs to be every game for the next three games. And it's Jalen Brown's and Derek White's the other guy who can sort of bring that scoring, but Jalen Brown's the man in that one. The Boston Celtics clearly uh, rely on their
0: two star wings to propel their season or have relied upon their two star wings. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks don't have the same luxury. They don't have two stars, but my God, they have one hell of a fucking dude in Luka Doncic who has been pretty much carving up Phoenix for the last two games. They threw the kitchen sink at him in game two, the second game in Phoenix that I think from memory was a pretty cruisy dub for the Suns, but we got a series on our hands. That one's at 2-2 as well. We're getting a couple of cameos from Jalen Brunson here and there. Dorian Finney-Smith feels like he's shooting about 115% from three. Maxi Kleber and, Davis Bertans are doing big white man proud by canning shots from behind the arc as well, and Phoenix are uh, Chris Paul's starting to look a little bit. old. dare I say he's had two mm-hmm. average games. He fouled out the other day, and I don't know. I mean, I was adamant that the Suns and the Bucks were going to rematch in the finals before the playoffs started. I think, I think I picked that from about halfway through the year, to be honest. But I wouldn't be shocked if this Dallas team really pushed Phoenix to the limit. I mean, we've got to remember that New Orleans took Phoenix to six games. I know Book missed a couple of those games, but maybe I'm just perceiving Phoenix in a little bit too high a light because Dallas has been... They've yeah. given them a run for their money for sure. Um, I'll go through X factors and that in a bit, but do you reckon that Dallas... Obviously, they're in the series. It's 2-2. Do you reckon they can pull this off? Do you reckon that the way Luka's playing regardless of the star factor he's got in his supporting cast. Do you reckon that the Mavericks have a genuine chance to topple what everyone thought was the best team in basketball?
1: Yeah, I think they do. Any team that has a, a good or great, oh, sorry, a great defense always has a shot, um, no matter what series you put them in. Like I said, I think Phoenix last week, Phoenix's bench and depth massively overrated. And I think what's underrated is um, the Mavs depth. You know, Dinwiddie and Kleber, or Dinwiddie off the bench, he pretty pretty much start in, you know, A lot 25 of yeah. NBA teams um, right now. Kleber's playing phenomenally. He's just slashing it from three. They've got Batans. You look down their list, you actually, like, you know every player on their list. You sort of read the names. Oh, I know that guy, I know that guy. Whereas you look at any other team, let's look at Phoenix. Actually, uh, there's two or three blokes, so I don't know who the fuck they are, you know what I mean. But it gets to the so, playoffs
0: at this pointy point. There's a lot of teams that, like, you know, a big chunk of their rotation. But I get what you're saying. I'll like, tell the you guys what, though, on Dallas are established,
1: most of them. Yeah, I, I look at Miami and um, even Boston, I don't one. know who yeah. that is, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think they do have the cattle and I'll even lead the X factor charge here. I reckon they are causing or will continue to cause Phoenix huge problems because Jalen Brunson is so fucking fast and the bloke who's guarding him is 3,900 years old. (laughs) Why was he in foul trouble last game? He can't handle the speed of Brunson and Brunson, he's, he's been up and down a little bit. Um, you can pretty much point to how good he was based on the outcomes of each game, but if Brunson can continue to put pressure on Chris Paul, as soon as Chris Paul is off the field, Phoenix is a totally different team. Chris Paul is, you know, we know how great he is and he is the best like offensive floor manager in the NBA and maybe in the history of the league. He's got best his guard of our generation. Oh, yeah, but, you know, in the true sense of a, what a point guard does, not in, mm. you know, Derek Rose is a great point guard, but he wasn't a point guard. He's Yeah, a, I get you. You know what I mean? Chris Paul is a true floor manager. He's a true floor general. And when he's out there, it's a totally different game. And if Jalen Brunson can continue to put pressure on him, continue to make him run around on defense, um, Luka Doncic might just get him over the line. So... Uh, for me, Jalen Brunson is easily the biggest X factor in that um, series. And I guess sort of as well, Spencer Dinwiddie can come on and put similar pressure on any, on Chris Paul in any non-Jalen Brunson minutes. So yeah, well, that was my uh, X
0: factor with Spencer Dinwiddie. Cause you looked top to bottom at the stats at the moment through this series and, you know, Luca's doing his, close to 30, 10, 10. There's, like I said, a couple of those other dudes are spotting up and hitting shots and they're getting points and they're getting solid defense. Even dudes like Dwight Powell's playing a bit of a role as just like a high-energy guy and someone that you can afford to throw a couple of fouls at. But I really think that Spencer Dinwiddie is the huge X factor for them purely because, kind of back to your Tyler Hero point, there could be a game... Like the bloke's averaging eight points in this series and he's shooting... 32%. So, if he just has a 15, 16-point quarter or a 20-point half or something like that, that could just swing momentum the way of Dallas, especially if it's, you know, a very similar circumstance where we've got a Chris Paul Fausich or a Devin Booker sore or DeAndre Ayton, who actually I gave a lot of credit to after the Pels series, but he hasn't been as great this series, I don't think. Still been good. Still been uh, showing a lot of touch around the ring and good finesse, but needs to play a bit more like a big man and dominate in the paint. But I digress. I think, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, if he has a moment and he pops off, that could really swing a game, maybe two in Dallas's favour. And when you only have to win now a best of three series, I think Jalen Brunson I've never really viewed as a fast dude, but I've always thought even back to like his Villanova days, He was very crafty and was always in control. So he almost, oh, no, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say it's like Chris Paul light in the way that he's like dictating terms, but he's obviously had a huge playoffs as well. So I think that guard rotation with a bit of Brunson, a bit of Spencer Dinwiddie, Luca's obviously doing his thing. You kind of forget, like you said, they've got names that you recognize Tim Hardaway Jr. A few of those other cats we've already mentioned, Mavs have got the potential to make this
1: very, very interesting. I don't think they I don't think they win, but I think they could. I don't think so, but you
0: know, you never know.
1: You never know. Hmm. I'll
0: tell you what. There was a period of time where you did not think that uh the Denver Nuggets would win. They haven't won much yet. But what they do have on their team is a two time back to back most valuable player i'm going to uh hand over the mic and let you have uh have your moment but Woj took to twitter last night and announced unofficially that nikola Jokic is going to win his second straight mvp which i think anyone that watched enough basketball this year agree is the right decision
1: yes yeah I what i read this i think ridiculous. i missed a couple of words in
0: that sentence but yeah you get what i'm saying
1: <laughs> Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. I watched, I uh, read this ridiculous Bleacher Report article this morning, uh, that's come out after the the news is broken, just sort of making the case for why he shouldn't have won it. And like, yeah, right. They started off with the whole winning thing, and then you know, I sort of, I always laugh at that argument because. They won. they lost or they won like two less games than Joel. Or so, you know, like it's or three yeah. games. It's it's just so small. And then, you know, that he was sort of saying, like, oh, it's only because everyone loves stats and analytics, which you know, he had the best PR PR ever. He was the only player to ever do the 20 or 2,000, 1,500 or whatever the fuck yep. it was. You know, and you look at his on-off minutes. And he's like breaking records when he's on the court, Denver's like the best team in the league when he's off the court, they're the worst kind of thing. So he's sort of arguing against that, even though that actually those stats help Jokic's argument. And then he started going down to like, Oh yeah. You know, you look at what Joel does for the franchise. Like Philly has the second highest, home game attendance and Janice and the Bucks have <laughs> the, <laughs> I know it I was like man how how low how deep down are you having to scrape to come up with an argument against Jokic and you're right if you if you ever if you watched enough basketball you know how great he was this year with the cast that he had two like his two best players missing continuous strings of injury um you know so I can't say enough about Jokic, it just feels so good. I now know how you and Kyle have felt during the LeBron era, you know, and it feels so good. And obviously, now I was having this chat with Kyle last week, our mate Kyle. For anyone who doesn't know the fuck, that is it's our mate Kyle. Um, yeah, no, Kyle, we, we were talking about that conversation of who could still be in the GOAT conversation. Obviously, Giannis is right there, especially if he wins it this year. Mm. And Jokic doing the back-to-back MVP thing, I think he's still on track to potentially be a, a GOAT, you know, if he keeps this up. But obviously, it's the winning. And Kyle asked, when, when does he fall out of it? And I think next year he needs to make a NBA finals or, you know, He's off track to win the GOAT or be in the GOAT conversation. I'm not saying he's the GOAT. Um, It's obviously Michael. It's obviously Michael, then LeBron, and then, you know, there's a few others. But um, you sort of say that and you're like, fuck, he's still on track to potentially be the greatest player of all time. And he's doing things we've never seen. So, so stoked he got it. Um, Like, so deserved it. Um, Yeah, let's just hope. Let's just hope those boys come back and he can go for three straight. I mean, if I told
0: you 12 months from now, Jokic didn't win the MVP this year, but is still alive in the playoffs. I'm sure you would take that. And I think if you view, if you just look purely at the cats that he had around him this year, I think it was at some point, like just after MPJ went down, Oh, it was before the Bryn Forbes get, but there was a lineup they rolled out when Jokic was. What, did he, he? didn't have a concussion. What did he, it was just after that Marcus Morris an issue. He's he missed like a I don't know, let's say three games or
1: four. Oh, games. Oh, he hurt his over heard That's his wrist. Right. Heard his wrist. He
0: missed. Heard yeah. his wrist, and he missed like three or four games in a maybe a six game span. And I'll never forget like looking at the starting lineup of the Nugs and then oh, looking through the rest of the roster in that game. I really want to find the box score to find this. But I was just like, oh, man, like, this looks like a fucking G League team. Like, no Jamal, yeah. no Jokic, no Michael Porter Jr. Easily the top three. And then for him to go and do what he did without Robin or fucking, I don't know, Alfred by his side, he yeah. really, really... Deserves a lot of recognition and he's getting it. So yeah, I'm glad to see the big man going back to back. Uh, if only I put my money where my mouth was. Cause I think I, I said along with you earlier in the uh, year that he could do it. And he was long odds. Everyone was all getting high on Jimmy Butler and Steph Curry, myself included, but yeah, Nikola Jokic is now a uh, back-to-back MVP winner. How many uh, other Because, of course, it uh, wouldn't be a Sports by Fry podcast without a useless Sports by Fry stat. How many other back-to-back MVP winners do you reckon we've had in NBA history? You probably know because you would have seen a lot of the Jokic uh, scuttlebutt in the last couple of days. But other than Nick, how many other
1: players do you reckon have gone back-to-back? Had Steph. Had LeBron. Yep. We had Kareem's done it. Bill Russell's done it. Mm -hmm. Sounds right. Um, I don't actually have the names in front of me. I just know the number. Oh, okay. Or then it starts to get a little bit slim. Duncan did it. Yep. Nash did it. Yep. So I'm going to go with like nine. Oh, a bit, a bit fourteen. A couple oh, more okay. than I thought, including
0: Giannis. Yep. Oh, of course, you idiot. <laughs> um, who else was up there? was a couple of other dudes as well i don't think he came no 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 anyway i was reading it the other day but yeah one of only
1: 15 players so that's a pretty uh pretty good claim to fame pretty much just like if you and I've, i saw the list earlier um you know just glance at it and it looks like a oh that's the pretty much the top 15 players of all time yeah. minus maybe a, something like that Toby's not in there and Shaq, but other than those guys, you're like, yeah, that's pretty much Chips the out. the goats, yeah. So we've uh we've obviously given Nikola
0: Jokic a lot of credit. Might be the greatest draft pick ever, considering he was picked Easily. in the forties.
1: Yeah, okay, by a Probably. mile. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: But I do wonder if he's the best international NBA player ever. For a couple of weeks now, we've uh, we've talked about dropping this segment, and I think now is the perfect time to do so. So we're going to introduce yeah. a Mount Rushmore at the end of each podcast. And the way it's going to work is we will basically draft our own respective Mount Rushmores and we will compare them head to head. So you'll have four people. I'll have four people. Uh, Cause I'm in a giving mood. You can have the number one pick tonight and we will, nice. uh, we're going to draft the best international NBA players ever. So, this is obviously not projecting forward. This is standing pat right now. So, we talked about how Giannis and Jokic could be in the GOAT convo, But if their resumes are cut as of this moment, you're going to pick four blokes. I'm going to pick four blokes. And then we'll let the Sportsby fans decide who has the better Mount Rushmore. So, take it away, Jacob. Uh, You can hand the card with Nikola Jokic's name into the commissioner if you
1: wish. Um, I'm not going to take Yoke. No. No although I'm tempted. And like we were saying, I guess if we're projecting forward, I think there's almost a a clear top two. Um, And Jokic, I think, is in there. But if we're picking right now, we have to go with, I have to go with one of my all-time favourite players, and it's the dream. Because I think he stands, I would say head and shoulders, of if you look at it right now, of the greatest international players of all time, like number one in blocks. How many I've got the stats is he right number here. one in blocks is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Number one in blocks, two finals, MVPs, two titles. And that was in the Jordan era. Yeah, um, true. He's got an MVP, six first time, first team selections, 12 all-stars, two time defensive player of the year, got an Olympic gold medal. Um, yeah. He kind of did it all. He's ninth in blocks, twelfth in points. I just think he is clearly the number one international player of all time. Yeah, I agree. And I with think he's thing. probably the only bloke on this list who could stop Nick Jokic. He
0: probably could. So, I mean, that would be a battle I'd love to see. So, if we're going to stack them up against each other in Mount Rushmore, I'm taking Nikola Jokic. If there's, I think wow. there's, I think that there's another bloke that could enter this conversation, but. I do think with the two MVPs already and they're like, just the, how do I word it even? Like the, not the grace that he plays basketball with, but he just never looks rushed. He looks, he's just so obscure, which I think like is a little bit how some of these international players like have risen to success, right? They've obviously been down very different paths. Hakeem was probably the first and biggest international success story. There's been others that, he kind of paved the way for, but Jokic just looks like a bit of like a, a Russian mobster who really shouldn't be running around playing basketball. And yet he does it controlled and he does it cruisy never looks rushed. And as a result, he's uh he's number one
1: on my round much more at the moment. Wow. That hurts, but luckily it's center versus center. So I still feel okay having the dream guarding him. And then I'm going to take the bloke who I think at, if we do this in five years, we'll be number one or number two with Jokic right there and I'll yeah. go the freak. Two-time MVP, defensive player of the year. He has the chip. Like I think if you go right now, uh, Giannis is ahead of Jokic. If you just look at careers and accolades and, and numbers... Yeah, um, so I'm going to go with Giannis and look at that. Giannis and the dream next to each other. Oh, my God, boy. They That's might be crazy. the two best defensive
0: international players ever. But I reckon after this Rudy Gobert exists. Would you take Rudy Gobert over Hakeem
1: or Giannis? I'd take him defensively over Giannis. Mm. Career wise, he's got like three mm. defensive players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I don't
0: uh, Well, the point I was going to make is uh, I reckon after this pick, I'm going to have the two best offensive players because I'm taking Dirk Nowitzki.
1: Okay. Yep.
0: So I had similar, de- I was very torn over the two or three, but I'm sorry, mate, I couldn't let you have Nikola Jokic or the Mount Rushmore. So yeah. I had to, had to swoop in. But Dirk, I think, rounds out what I, what, I view as a very clear top four for the best international players ever. Like Hakeem, I think is number one. You could make an argument about the rest of the order depending on personal preference, but you're right. I think Giannis is great. Jokic is great, but Dirk Nowitzki was kind of our generation's big man that ticked over and like succeeded. He didn't look like he was going to win a ring for a long time. Got that MVP. Had plenty of playoff failures, which hurt his soul, but got the eventual ring.
1: I think he's sixth, maybe seventh all time for scoring. So Dirk's my sixth, uh, second yeah. pick. Sixth, there you go. And man, look, think about the Dirk fadeaway and Jokic's Sambor shuffle on <laughs> either side of the paint. That's going to be, that's going to be beautiful to watch. I know, so, mate. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, righty Well, I can't let this bloke go any lower. Uh, two MVPs. Ah, he I was my next one. Fourth all time in assists. Eight or all, seven all NBA selections. Uh, it's the man. The probably like, arguably the greatest passer ever. And he's the reason uh, that I I started throwing stupid passes when I was like thirteen or fourteen. I wanted to be this bloke. Yeah, I mean him or Magic Johnson, and maybe you put LeBron and Jokic in the combo, but. Steve Nash is going up on my uh, Mount Rushmore. Great pick. And I think he's part of the clear top five. And then from here on out, it gets interesting and murky. So I'm so interested to see who you're grabbing next.
0: Yeah. Look, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight names left on my list and I'm looking at them all and none of them are instilling me with a ton of confidence. And I mean, let's... Let's make it clear. We're not drafting uh, for these teams to play each other. We're just talking about who was the best international basketballer. And if you stack these guys, uh, you're probably right. There probably was a gap between after five, not after four. But I think I'm going to go Matumbo. I think that he, as an international player, had a fantastic basketball career. There's a couple of other guys who put up more stats and one more that are on my list, but. He I th- he might be second to Hakeem in blocks. I actually, have no idea, but I wouldn't be surprised. Sure he and he was he was a driving force behind those '90s Nuggets teams that were successful. He was great with Alan Iverson in the early noughties. So uh, I don't pick it with confidence,
1: but I pick Matumbo with my third selection. Wow, you've given me a lot to think about. He's and think about Matumbo. He's got the most Defensive Player of the Years ever. So Pretty that's lately, not nothing. Him yeah. and Ben Wallace, I think, are the two. Wow. Okay. So I've got one spot left and it's I got two really... blokes on my
0: board and there's, there's, I made that pick with keeping in mind, there's one I
1: really want to add to the rotation, but
0: I'll see if you snipe me.
1: Yeah. Oh, I just am not, I'm not <laughs> sure now. Um, I'll talk you through my thoughts because um, I get to fill my team. Anyway, so yep. I guess the guys that are in the conversation for me are the two Spurs, Parker and Ginobili. Yeah, um, both kind of have their pluses and minuses. Minuses. I think Tony Parker was probably the, you know, if you look at the stats and stuff, the better player. Obviously, started more, but man, I think Manu was pretty bloody special. You know, I think he's one of the most unique players we've ever seen. Yeah, great. just a crazy international career as well. And you kind of forget about that. So the other guy I would like to pick is uh maybe Luca. Mm, I think he would look good honest. on that Mount Rushmore, but I'm just not quite ready to put him on it yet. I don't think he probably deserves a spot just yet. Nah. So I'll leave Luca off. I guess the other guy who I'm not really considering, but Pau Gasol is really it should have his name mentioned but i think i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go gonna go manu mm. i'm gonna do it yep two Passings. two big two guards manu's kind of just so unique and change the game so yeah
0: all right that's the end of the sports by for our podcast because that's the bloke I wanted
1: <laughs> well good luck picking yeah luck.
0: I mean a couple of other honourable mentions for what it's worth. Avita Sabonis uh, didn't really have a great NBA career. And you could throw a bit of a blanket over someone like Yao, oh, a couple of other active Good dudes old. like Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah, there's plenty of cats out there. But I think I'm going to side with Pau Gasol. Two-time champ, mm. six-time all-star, made a couple of all-NBA teams and was a very... I think he ended up playing for, like, seven NBA franchises, didn't he? Something like that by the end of it. He bounced like around that. all over the shop. But, yeah, I had a lot of time for Pau Gasol. I really did enjoy watching him as a youngster. Uh, and i looking back on my team with Jokic, Dirk, Gasol, Matumbo, and then you've obviously gone down the Hakeem, Giannis, Nash, Ginobili route. Two very good groups, but a lot of big
1: men littering these conversations eh? yeah Yeah. just quietly i I think tim duncan is virgin islands yeah i didn't depends how you look at it it's a territory but um you know if he's on the on the the rankings everything looks very different doesn't it
0: uh there was a little part of me that wanted to be a wanker and pick him right with the last pick and be like yeah man we're international player (laughs) but uh, yeah not about it i will we'll have to put that one to the uh sports by faithful to get uh their verdict but yeah i got got another one in the chamber for what we might look at next week i think this mount rushmore segment will be here to stay yeah i liked it good fun good times all right that's been a bumper episode plenty of footy plenty of basketball covered uh we'll probably have the conference finals by the time we sit back down again next day close enough too. close all right thanks for sitting down Lo. we will catch you next time there you go